save time to get back to the ship. Use the directional. And above all, stay calm. My name's Brooke. I'm 44 years old and have struggled all of my adult life with issues stemming from the toxic influence of diet culture. Issues that really began in my late teens, early adulthood. I am also a fitness professional and early on this career choice actually exacerbated my issues in many ways. I can see now it's because of how pervasive disordered eating is among fitness professionals. There is so much pressure to look a certain way and the industry is rife with diet culture messaging, programs to get that bikini body, workouts designed to earn your food or programmed with a focus on calorie burn, clean meal plans and detoxes to reset your body. As an aside, much of this is all outside the scope of practice for fitness professionals, but it's done without regard anyway. I've worked hard to unlearn behaviors and deprogram these beliefs that my worth is tied to my ideal body image. Like, what even is that? I focus on what my body can do, and I'm super proud of how strong I am. But I'm sad and frustrated because as hard as it, um, as it has been for me to navigate this world as an adult who logically knows better, it's even harder for young people, the digital natives who have grown up in the age of Instagram and TikTok. They are constantly bombarded with toxic content from so-called experts, and a number of studies have confirmed what we already know, that this content can be harmful. Adolescence is a critical period of psychosocial development, and I'm so sad to think of how many kids are going to go down the rabbit hole of diet culture like I did. I look at my daughters and want them to love themselves and not struggle for 20 years like I have. Alexa, what is diet culture? Here's something I found on the web. According to thriveglobal.com, diet culture is a set of beliefs that worship thinness and particular body shapes. This is Dr. Aaron Nitschke. This is Dr. Darian Parker. This is Decoding Diet Culture. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Decoding Diet Culture. And today we're going to talk about how to celebrate the non-scale victories and more importantly, what those types of victories are. And the reason this topic is important is because it is an aspect of diet culture. And one of their mantras is that weight loss is good and weight gain is bad and that we're not meant to evolve over time or change. Um, and there's a lot of before and after pictures and everything is, is so focused on the physical or on the, the scale. And in fact, one of the things many fad diets and or diet culture programs promote is weighing yourself every day. And there's a reason why that's not effective. And as a result, many people who engage in these diet culture programs, thinking that they're doing something really good for their health, right? is they become obsessed with tracking their weight. They become overly hyper-focused on what that number on the scale says. And if it ticks up, that's bad. If it ticks down, it's good. And that's something to celebrate. And it's just not 
the way that, that body weight works. And again, body, body weight and body composition are two different things. And weight loss does not mean fat loss. Likewise, weight gain does not mean fat gain. Those are two different things. And, and the reason I think weight has become such an important metric, and you see it when you go to the doctor's office, right? The first thing they do is put you on the scale. And to me, that is one of the most annoying things in the world, because really, what are you collecting? Not usable data, that's for sure. But the number on the scale, just like your resting heart rate or your blood pressure reading, it's, it's quantifiable. It's tangible, meaning it can be compared to similar people of the similar age, gender, ethnicity, whatever. And so it's this quantifiable thing. And research loves to quantify things, especially in the sciences. So it's, it's just not a very telling measure. So, so in absence of other metrics, weight doesn't tell us anything. And when I first started out as a health and exercise professional, of course you took body weight because that's what you did. It was again, quantifiable. It was a metric. It was a resting measurement. But as time goes on, you, you start shifting your perspective a little bit and you really see it for what it is. It's a number on the scale. And truthfully, at any given point in the day, it represents your relationship with gravity. It does not represent in any way alone, a picture of your health, your metabolic fitness, or your happiness. So it's important to really, when you're striving for progress in your physical fitness goals, it's important to keep in mind that it is just that it's just a, a number. It's a quantifiable number that, that is influenced by so many things. Um, you know, the hydration levels, all of those things can, can really influence whether the scale goes up the next day or down the next day. Uh, so it's, it's really not very reliable. So one of the things that I work with clients on and what I teach my personal trainer students about is, is how to capture a person's picture of health in a more holistic way, in a more telling way, a more revealing way. And to do that, I have them focus on things that are non-scale victories. And by that, I mean those things that, that maybe are less quantifiable. They're less measurable in terms of a tape measure or a scale or some other sort of device. And in fact, when I take body measurements, girth measurements or a waist to hip ratio or something like that with clients, I don't even use a tape measure. I use a ribbon and I mark on the ribbon where it is because there's something triggering to many people. And that this is not the case for everyone, but I'm speaking from my, my platform, my experience, there's something triggering for someone if the number isn't what they perceive to be socially acceptable and a certain waist at this metric and a certain you know chest size at this measurement of this metric and so i use a ribbon and then i just put tick marks on the ribbon with each subsequent measurement i take over time and i teach my clients to do the same thing we don't even deal with a tape measure and this is not to say that gathering information like that isn't useful it certainly can be, but we need to have a, a broader perspective about what it means versus assigning it a label like, well, this person's weight on this day is this, they're this tall. So obviously they're overweight. Mm, no. <laughs> and that gets into the whole BMI conversation. 
which really isn't a part of this, this particular talk today. So non-scale victories, and why are they so important to, to celebrate? Well, because they, they are this, this sort of holistic view of how a person feels about themselves. And how we measure that has really nothing to do with stepping on the scale. And in fact, when I've worked with clients on behavior change, I've had them get rid of the scale or I've had them put the scale someplace, whether it's their garage, it's their basement, it's someplace that is not at the forefront of their attention. So we can kind of get away from the addiction to that, that number, because that number is not going to tell us progress. So when it comes to measuring your own progress, I want you to think about a few things first. You are a whole person. You are not your weight. So the other things that make up you as a person. So the questions I want you to consider, and these are the non-scale metrics, quote unquote, that I want you to start thinking about gathering for yourself. Sleep. Ask yourself, do you feel rested when you rise? And pay attention to how your energy is throughout the day. Is there a certain period in the day where energy starts to wane and you notice habitually you've reached for that extra cup of coffee and start observing that overall energy, not just when you wake up, but when you're tackling any kind of task or say you're out grocery shopping, or maybe you're out in the park and you're playing soccer with your kids or you're walking the dog or insert whatever kind of example or scenario you want there. What does your energy feel like? Do you feel exhausted or do you feel, do you feel renewed? And then another non-scale measurement to take is, have you noticed any change in your level of interest or social activities in the past whatever period? And really tune into maybe why that is. And then mind is another non-scale. What's the cognitive function like? How focused are you? How engaged do you feel in your daily tasks at work, at home, socializing, doing anything? Do you, do you feel like your focus is there? How are you feeling about projects at work? Those types of things. The other non-scale piece I really like to have clients and students focus on is their stress level. And I use a scaling question for this. And you can certainly put this in a first person perspective and say, on a scale of one to 10, how stressed do I feel? And then you kind of start to peel back the layers and figure out, okay, so this is something that's stressing me out. I've got this upcoming deadline and I'm not really quite sure how to tackle it. I'm really nervous about it. Um, I'm not, I'm not really sure what to do. I'm going to go ahead and give myself a six. And then we kind of move on from there. We look at things like how anxious some you feel or a client feels. Is that something that, that is related to maybe they're not sleeping? Maybe they're not fueling enough. And then I have them rate their, their joy factor. How joyful do they feel when they're exercising, when they're at work, when they're at home, and when they're eating? And other areas that are non-scale are really related to how you're fueling the body. So I, I ask about hydration. I ask about food and nutrition. And when we start asking these questions that relate to all aspects of a person's well-being, 
we start to gather these puzzle pieces. And when we really take that like a, a broad sweep and cast a wide net in the information that we're gathering beyond simply having them step on a scale and maybe taking some skin fold measurements, we start to see what patterns are developing and what might be the issue. So I noticed that you rated yourself as not sleeping very well. You also rated yourself low on cognitive function and energy throughout the day. Perhaps the root cause of those other two things is the fact that we're not sleeping very well. And maybe we need to take a look at what our fitness, our sleep fitness routine looks like. Are we doom scrolling on the phone until 10 PM and rising at 5 AM? Um, are you getting up a lot at night to use the bathroom? Are you having a lot of alcohol before bed? Alcohol, believe it or not, though it is a sedative, disrupts sleep. And having caffeine too early in the morning causes a cortisol spike. And we want cortisol to raise naturally because that really is the um, kind of the, the biological caffeine, if you will. Uh, and and it, it helps us function. It helps us go throughout the day. So having caffeine too early in the morning upon rising can, can certainly impact energy levels throughout the day. So trying to take a holistic approach at how you are one defining progress and how you're then measuring it. Because if you're only defining progress by weight loss, you're missing out on all these other metrics that really make a whole lot more sense and tell a much greater story than simply stepping on the scale. And that scale is going to constantly go up and constantly go down. And it is all based on what you put into your body and what you excrete or the, the minerals that you're taking in, um, inflammation in the body, anything like that. So when I celebrate these non-scale victories, I celebrate things first and foremost that are energy, mindset, sleep pattern, joy around interacting with other people, and your overall engagement in other things of interest. And we start to see this kind of like interweaving or this sort of interconnectedness between all of those areas and how they affect progress. So even though in the past, historically and socially, weight loss or that number has been something that has been the focus. And, and I think in large part, because that's the diet industry. At one point in time, we really did not know much about managing weight and really what it meant to manage weight. And manage weight isn't about keeping your body at a certain number. It really is about the overall picture of metabolic health. And what does that look like? And um, how are you feeling? So when I ask clients, how, how will you know you've been successful? I have them phrase it in terms of energy, focus, motivation, sleep, and just general feelings of well-being. So it's more about how they feel versus what they can see on a scale. Now, that's not to say that weighing yourself is bad or wrong. It's not, but a lot of people, it's a trigger for them. And I've even told clients when they go to the doctor, if it is triggering for them and it sets them back in terms of their motivation and their adherence and their kind of perspective on themselves, their body respect, I tell them, tell your doctor, unless it is medically necessary, do not weigh me. I've refused to be weighed a few times 
And mostly because I, I just, I had just eaten a big meal. It was three o'clock in the afternoon. And I knew that that number was not going to tell my doctor the valuable information she needed to know in order to evaluate my health. So it's okay to be like, you know what? No. The other option is if they weigh you, just simply tell them, I don't, I'm not interested in knowing that number. I want to talk more about my overall energy, how I feel, how I'm eating, how I'm sleeping, and if I'm moving enough. And if other things are under control, like the blood pressure and the metabolic health, meaning like your good cholesterol and, and not so good cholesterol and your triglyceride levels and your thyroid function, kidney function, liver function, all of that is all part of metabolic health. So the next time you're trying to imagine progress and what that looks like, start thinking outside of the scale or off the scale, I should say. Start thinking about what are other areas that you feel could use an improvement. Energy, sleep are probably going to be at the top. And those two are very interrelated. Getting enough water and honestly getting enough food. People often make the mistake about restricting. And I only need to take in 1200 or 1500 calories. That is the amount a toddler needs. You are not a toddler. Now, of course, that depends on your activity level and whatnot. And that's a topic for a different day. But nonetheless, approaching it from that very restrictive mindset can cause other issues and actually not make weight loss possible if that is something that someone is striving towards. So think about it. You're a whole person. You are not the number on the scale and start looking at like at the end of a, a week, or maybe it's two weeks and you look at your progress, start saying, okay, look back and be like, okay, so my energy was really good. The first part of the week, midweek, I kind of hit a sticking point because I had a really big project at work and I wasn't sleeping well. You can start tying back all of these like little, little feelings to certain moments in your week. And then you can really start to identify those patterns and ways and strategies to overcome them. If we only stick to the number on the scale, we're, we're taking a very narrow and myopic view of what health is. And, and that is just one piece of it. And it's not even a very reliable piece that tells us, oh, this person's healthy and this person's not based on this number. It, it doesn't work that way. Body weight and, and body composition and metabolism are far more complicated than that. So be sure to pay attention to the non-scale things that are going well for you and how you can incorporate those into the progress that you're making. And we will see you next time on another episode of Decoding Diet Culture. 